look at this, this is a good one. Some suggest that Parker's powers include the male spider's ability to hypnotize females. Stop, come on. <laughs> yes, my spider lord. <laughs> Can we just like stay up here all day? It is so crazy down there. That's right, folks. Spider-Man is in fact Peter Parker. Listen, I did not kill Mysterio. The drones did. The drones that are yours. Does any part of you feel relieved about all this? What do you mean? Now that everybody knows, you don't really have to hide or lie to people. For the record, I never wanted to lie to you. But how do you tell someone that you're Spider-Man? Now everybody knows. But this isn't about me. This is hurting a lot of people. I've just been thinking about how to fix all of this. So, Peter, to what do I owe the pleasure? I'm sorry to bother you, sir. Please, we saved half the universe together. I think we're beyond you calling me, sir. Okay, Steven. That feels weird, but I'll allow it. When Mysterio revealed my identity, my entire life got screwed up. I was wondering if maybe you could make it so that he never did. Strange. Don't cast that spell. It's too dangerous. Fine. I won't. The entire world is about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Wait, everyone? Can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So MJ's gonna forget about everything we've ever been through? Stop tampering with the spell. Oh my god, Ned, he's my best friend. Oh, my Aunt May should really stop talking. What just happened? We tampered with the stability of space-time. The multiverse is a concept about which we know frighteningly little. problem is you trying to live two different lives. The longer you do it, the more dangerous it becomes. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, Parker. Hello, Peter. Welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I am Russ. He is Steve. And our spidey senses are tingling in episode 254 today, December 18th, 2021. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Spider-Man No Way Home movie review. We should forewarn you that we will be going through many spoilers so the spoiler alert has been administered. But before we begin, make sure you thwip that <laughs> subscribe button. <laughs> Maybe, you know, I actually did it wrong. I, I went like this instead of like this. Here we go. That's the correct way. There we go. Yeah. It's the, don't, don't do the Star Trek. Vulcan. This is the hang loose. Uh, yeah. Make sure you thwip <laughs> and peace <laughs> and uh, quip. That notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. Having said all that, Steve, I understand that I saw the film two days ago mm. to a sold-out, packed theater. You saw it today 
to a sold out packed theater. What are your high level thoughts, Steve? It was good, Russ. I did enjoy myself. Um, don't know where Disney's going to go next after this movie. Don't you mean the MCU, Steve? MCU, Sony, Disney, something along those lines, <laughs> Russ. I don't know where they're going to go. But um, no, they. I mean, I came into this thinking like, you know, this the way they have orchestrated this story is like on the edge of a knife. Like yes. it could be like balancing a log and be like, yes. whoa, it could go topsy-turvy at any minute. And it walked a fine line there, Russ. It did indeed. Um, uh, it was it was really awesome seeing um, everybody on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought everybody had, well, mostly everybody had uh, ample screen time, I thought. Yes. Uh, I thought Tom Holland really delivered the goods. And this is like one of the, like, the... I mean, I don't know. It just might be what my favorite Spider-Man out of this this trilogy. Uh, I mean, he really brought it home uh, emotionally. Like he sold it. He really did. Man. Well, I, I feel as though they all did. There, there was like an emotional sincerity that was there. And no matter like what the situation was or what was happening or whatever, I bought into it. Yeah, I mean, um, man, I don't know. What, how much Tom Holland has invested in this or what acting school it came from. But I mean, I'm watching him like, I am right there with you, bro. Yeah. I am like, he was, it's like, I'm looking at, I'm his friend for crying out loud. Right. And I'm there with him. And I understand the pain that he is going through. That's how I felt. Like, totally. that, I mean, looking at the expressions on his face, I mean, I was choking up in a Spider-Man movie. Yeah. I am not going to lie. I was sitting there and, and my wife's looking at me like, she goes, oh, I'm like, did you watch the same yeah. thing I'm looking at here? <laughs> she like hands me a tissue. I'm like, get, get out of here. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was, uh, it was pretty darn cool. Um, there's a lot of um, fan service. I mean, of I'm, course. Sure, I'm sure you, you know, people could expect from watching uh, the couple trailers that we've had. There's a lot that happens. There's a lot of people that you see. Right. Um, and I mean, I, I haven't watched the uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man, but I'll tell you what, this movie did its job because I'm going to go watch it now. Absolutely. Um, I mean, usually, you know, I'll, I'll watch the move of a movie and appreciate what it is. But I mean, to go back and, you know, maybe spend some money on previous movies that I wouldn't really watch or spend money sure. on. I mean, it's doing its job. So, um, I mean, I, I'm telling you like, this is, you know, to, to, to bring everybody back to the theater from, from COVID and, and, um, you know, being in their house and, and going, you know, spending money and spending time with, well, this is the kind of movie that's going to bring people back sure. to the theater. Uh, I, I mean, this really set the bar. Um, so I, I enjoyed it, but I'll, I'll, I'll pass it on to you, Russ. So I, what high level thoughts do you have? Probably pretty similar to mine, but yes, it is very similar to yours. Uh, I, you know, when I got out of the theater, uh, I really made it a point to, I didn't want to spoil anything for anybody because I was able to immediately identify this is a special film and for, for multiple reasons, but I, I simply texted, I don't know if you saw this, but I, well, I didn't text. I, I went on social media and I just wrote on there about how I said, um, just got out of Spider-Man No Way Home. And I put dot, dot, dot. You are all in for a treat. And I put the word treat in caps lock and just put a period after that. Because I feel like that that kind of 
surmises like like what I was feeling when I left the theater. I'm like, what a treat that was to go to this film and be subjected to that level of quality storytelling. And I think there there was just so much there that for okay, first of all, the the audience, I don't know about your audience, my audience was awesome. <laughs> I mean, they, they responded <laughs> at different t- times of the, the film or different points of the movie. Uh, I mean, they, there was lots of cheering and that sort of thing. It, it was it was just that is such a bonus to me whenever I go see a film to be able to be with uh, a crowd that is clearly diehard fans of whatever it is that you're seeing. And this was definitely the case. Did you have the same kind of experience? Um, not probably not so diehard that uh, that of the crowd that you had. Yeah. Um, I mean, my crowd, uh, was definitely respectable. They were applauding at the end. Respectful. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, every once in a while you hear a, woo, and yeah. <laughs> someone up there is talking. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really wanted to, to just give it a standing ovation, but sure. I probably would have been like the one guy clapping and, Oh, Maybe maybe, sit down, no. maybe you were gonna be I, like the, the instigator, the like the one who starts, yeah, and everybody else like joins you. Like we need uh, somebody to start, and then we'll, we'll join in. Well, Sp- oh, Spider Man itself was it was such a delight. I think I think that's the biggest thing that uh, that I walked away from was like I'm, I'm sitting in the movie theater and I'm watching this happen, and I'm immediately brought back to how there was the the original Spider Man film that came out. Um, oh, I, I want to say it was like. Back in 2000, maybe 2001. I think it came out in 2000. It was right around 2001, I want to say. Probably. In fact, I have the the original teaser poster of Spider-Man. It used uh, to be right over there. The Sam, yeah, Sam Raimi. Uh, it's not there anymore. Well, no, it's still, it's, it's over there, Steve. Is it back there? No, it's back I there. I might Steve. have to get up and go get it. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so, um. Oh. <laughs> now you're thinking. Just give me, give me a second. Uh, keep talking. I'll, I'll go well, real quick. Yeah. What else am I going to say here, Russ? I mean, um, keep, keep it high level, Steve. High level. Man, high level, no spoilers. Well, I mean, there, there's time. Here's what I will say is, um, you know, you could have switched the camera back to me, Russ. Just Anyway, it's fine. No, don't do it now. I just, okay, fine. The thing is, I had a gripe, not so much with the movie, but we, we live in like this highly informational age where if some, if you hear something or you have an idea, whatever, you just could throw it out on the interwebs, and which is awesome, but it's bad in the sorts that, uh, I mean, there's things that happen in this movie that I knew were going to happen from like six months ago, and I... I chalk it up to like, it's probably just going to be rumors. That's probably not true. And then I watched the movie and it is true. And I thought, well, I mean, is this a stage hand or someone who's like selling bits of the movie is, is like Tom Holland talking to somebody, you know, <laughs> that he should have been talking to is saying like, this is what's going to happen. Like what's going on anyway, a little bit dismayed, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's still a, a pretty freaking awesome movie. They did say, though, um, I thought they were alluding to someone else. would have to get into spoilers to really, you know, get there. But um, they were alluding to an, someone. Oh, I just want to say it. 
Uh, well, he's almost got the poster. What are we going to do here? When he shipped this thing over here, there was a bunch of like tape on it, like that was taping cushions and bubble wrap and everything like that so it wouldn't, you know, crack and split and whatnot. And then he got it here. And it's been like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years or something. And uh, he's never hung the thing up. It might have a layer of dust on it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> okay, I'll put that uh, Running out of things to say over here, Russ. <laughs> okay, switching the camera back. Okay. Okay. Bam! <gasps> there it is. And all its fine self. And you can see... I'll point to the eyeball here that you can see the two towers in reflection of his eye. Yeah. Wait, wait. I can, I can do a, uh, a close-up. Hold on a second. Okay. Now, I'm holding it. Hey! Exhibit A. Okay. Put it right in front of me or right behind me. There it is. Huh? Ah, not, not that hand, this hand. Right there. Two towers. So what was that? Like, that was 2,000. I think, wasn't it? 2001? Wasn't there a date on the... Uh, I mean, oh, it just says coming soon? Yeah, there's no date on it. Well, I, th I think... It, here, I'll, I'll give me a sec. If only there was a website with a bunch of movies listed on it that we could search, <laughs> it would have the entire cast, movie release date. What movie would that be? It'd have to be a simple acronym so everybody would remember it. What would it be? I'll forget it. I'll just look it up. Okay. <clears throat> oh, just a minute. Okay, yeah, I'm going to wait here. I'm just going to go ahead and look this up. Okay. <laughs> <All> <laughs> okay, right, yeah, it's good, yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Woo! Okay. I know you got to work out there. Had to uh, fit myself in there. Anyway. <sighs> um. Yes. Hi. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so that was back in 2000, 2001. I think the, the poster came out around 2000. And then I I want to say the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man film. Was it 2002? So IMDb says 2002. You are correct. It was, in fact, mm. 2002. I do remember the story, though, not to digress completely off of Spider-Man No Way Home, but I remember at the time that that teaser poster went out. Of course, you had the World Trade Center reflection in his eye. And then 9-11 happened. And so what ended up happening was they pulled out uh, all of those teaser posters and took out the, the World Trade Center from the reflection and then reused that same teaser poster and redistributed everything out. So actually, it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, that particular poster has some... some history to it. So anyway, anyway, as I was saying, um, so it was a lot of fun to be able to see how, like, like as I'm in this theater, I began to think about like, what was my, my initial reaction when I saw the first Spider-Man, the, the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie from 2002, apparently. And I remember just being also totally delighted at the fact that here I was sitting watching a Spider-Man film that was like triple A. It was like high production value. It was fantastic. And how I'm thinking, man, what does the future hold? 
just in terms of, of different kinds of comic book movies. And so here we are again. It's 2021, the very end of 2021, and we're watching Spider-Man No Way Home. And I had that same exact feeling. And there's a reason why Spider-Man is probably one of the most popular Marvel characters, if not the most popular Marvel character. And it's his accessibility, right? Everyone can relate to his situation, what he desires to do in terms of civic duty, um, the challenges that he has being, whether he's in high school or if he's going off to college, whatever that may be. So that was, that whole thing was so much fun. Another high level thought I had is the fact how we got introduced into the potential of the multiverse. And I've been talking about that on this show for, for several episodes now where if they do it right, there is tremendous payoff for the various characters that we've come to know and love as well as brand new characters. And this was the first official foray from a, a movie theater standpoint where I feel like, like they, they pulled it off. Like it was just like, Oh my goodness, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. Right. So really, really excited about that. I really felt like um, they really outdid themselves in terms of the, the number of characters that they had in there, because again, and this is no, I mean, obviously we're, we're going to be talking about spoilers, but this is, this was even shown in, in the trailers as well. You have an impressive number of characters in this movie. You know, you yeah. know if you think of the villains themselves, you had Dr. Octopus, you had Sandman, you had Electro, you had Lizard Man, um, you had Green Goblin. I'm not sure if I'm forgetting any other villains, but but like those were like the main ones that that were appearing. And then on top of that, then you have like like the the characters that we've seen through the the kind of the MCU Tom Holland version or World of Spider Man. So I think why that works so well was because we and I, I, again I talked about this before. When you have pre-existing characters that we've seen in films, we already have kind of a pre-existing relationship with those versions of any given character. So if you bring them back on screen, we don't need all that lead up time to be able to be introduced and understand this character's motivation. We're already there. Like we're back in like nostalgia heaven over here. So just keep going forward. And I think that this is a, a great example of, a successful application with that. Would you right. agree? I would. Yeah, absolutely. I would absolutely agree. Um, I, it made me nervous walking into the theater, but um, I think if you're a fan of Spider-Man from the beginning, which, I mean, no, I don't think any non-fan of Spider-Man is going to go see this movie. I mean, yeah, you know, people, maybe somebody was, you know, maybe the younger generation hasn't seen those movies yet, but they like Spider-Man from watching the Avengers, of course, you know, going in there, they would still appreciate it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, when we're <laughs> middle-aged and, uh, <laughs> dare I say, and we've watched the Spider-Man cartoon. I mean, we've yeah. even seen like the Spider-Man from old days where the, the best special effects they had were like, oh, here's some webbing. And then someone <laughs> on the offhand throws out a net or something. <laughs> or, or like the silly string. Oh, <laughs> You're like, you know, that looks vaguely like a party <laughs> trick. Yeah. No, we, we've been through it all for sure. And, and, and they've, they've come a long way. Uh, I do want to touch upon something though, with regards to these various characters that we've seen in previous films. And that is that 
I feel like like the MCU has done a really wonderful job in bringing these like cherished and beloved um, older actors, these, these aging actors that, you know, their heyday was more like in the eighties and nineties. And, and when I say heyday, I just mean like they were young and sprightly and full of zest and, and like they were just, they were in movie after movie after movie. And then it's Hollywood has this weird thing of just kind of like, Oh, okay, we're going to stop using this particular actor which is a horrible idea because they're just as good, if not better today than they were back then. And so I think like when you think of like guardians of the galaxy, for instance, right, we had uh, Kurt Russell that was in there and fantastic. We're both fans of Kurt Russell. Or like if you think of Ant-Man, you know, you have Michelle Pfeiffer that was in there and Michael Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah. And, and now we have this particular film too, where we have a lot of these villains that were coming in and, and um, you know, we haven't seen them reprise these particular roles for 20 years. And it's, it's, and it's wonderful. I mean, like the, the fan response was so palpable in the theater every time, like, like if Doc Ock got his big reveal or if Green Goblin did, or if it was Sandman or whoever. And you can tell that it's like, yeah, these these actors are cherished and celebrated for their portrayal of these various characters. And it does not diminish as time goes on. In fact, I would argue it has the opposite effect where they become more like a fine wine, you know, like, like you just, you, you remember and have such these positive memorable moments of being in the theater as you know younger people and to see them again in those same roles, everybody just gets a huge kick out of it. Everybody loves it. I, I don't know of a single person where they go, oh yeah, I wish they used somebody else for that particular character role. And I think once again, this speaks very highly to the concept of the multiverse, right? Where it's like, like this is not, it's not as if, you know, actor X is going to always be this particular character. It's just that they are now appearing in this film due to something, this, this thing that, that occurred that acts as a vehicle for these other multiverses to suddenly converge onto this particular reality, which is just awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. No, I agree with that. I think we need to get a spoiler. So Russ, we, uh, absolutely. It's about time. I'm, I'm about to burst. Okay. Okay. So let, let's just, let, let's get the, the biggest one out of the way. So one of the biggest, um, we're going to let people like real, you know, Pause or or no, no no I've already said spoilers. okay so let's just get into it I'm fine where we are we have been in spoilers okay right go let's do it so yeah. going into this film uh-huh. there were heavy rumors uh, that I think a lot of us were reading about or, or perhaps talking and hoping for mm-hmm. which is the fact that that perhaps we would have the other Spider Mans from these these previous films also make an appearance just right. because it was already a given that these villains were appearing and there were a lot of villains for one Spider-Man to handle. Let's be real, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> it was tremendous what happened when um, that scene came about. And, and, and the story was perfectly written where like, um, you know, Peter Parker, Tom Holland's Peter Parker, um, was separated. He was completely devastated due to um, the death of his, his aunt May. He needed his alone time. Meanwhile, his girlfriend and his best friend don't know where he is. They're getting really worried and wondering what's happening. And so it, in desperation, they, they, they try working with uh, Dr. Strange's ring. And um, I could not think of like a better setup right. than for something like that. Right. We're like, 
I mean, it was the craziest thing because he's doing it, and 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 um, you know, I'm kind of thinking like, oh, like you know, is he? Are we going to see a different Spider-Man or not, or what's happening? And all of a sudden, like like the ring opens up, and you see Spider-Man there. And everybody in the theater, it was funny because it didn't happen all at once. It was like right. this buildup where like <laughs> more and more people within the, the, mm. uh, the auditorium like realized that's not Tom Holland. That's a different Spider-Man. And then as he got closer, you saw the style of the suit and you realized that's Andrew Garfield. Yeah. What a movie making magic moment that was where, I mean, he comes through and I'm here to tell you the audience that I was with their response was just as crazy as when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. Yeah. Jeez. It really was. I mean, like, like it was, I mean, it was so, it was like a, I was at a football game. It was that loud. Not only that, but then there was a second response because obviously sure. he's trying to find uh, Tom Holland, Peter Parker does it. And then all of a sudden you see Tobey Maguire come through and it's, you know, once again, like, like the second cheer wasn't as loud as the first one, because I think people were expect or anticipating or expecting to see Tobey Maguire, but the, he still got a big cheer as well. And, and you could just feel the grins in the dark that were just all around you were sitting in the theater where it's like, this is fan service. This is precisely yeah. what we all want to see is to have these three Spider-Mans in one movie. What a treat. <laughs> So yeah, that that so that was the article I was alluding to earlier when you were looking, you were getting out the poster. But yeah. I saw that like I mean, it had to, at least six months ago, if not a year ago, where the picture was Tom Holland shaking hands with, uh, and you know, suited up and everything yeah. with like Tobey Maguire or, or Andrew Garfield. And I'm like, yeah, it's probably photoshopped. Give me a break. But then when when the trailer came out, I thought oh, it's just real. Yeah, and then you went watching the movie. I mean, it was getting kind of, you know, towards that middle half. I'm like, are they going to bring him out or are they not bringing him yeah. out? Like, what's going on here? And I, I I made it a point not to go on IMDb to look at, like, who, who's the actor yeah. going to leave you? That? That's going to, like, ruin it. So I had to try really hard, too, to yeah. not. I mean, like, like, I was already sold on seeing it. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan as it is. So I didn't need to, like, right. do any kind of sleuthing or anything like that. I, in fact, I was doing the opposite. I'm like, I don't want to know anything. Yeah. Actually, I thought I... I mm, while he, you know, uh, what's his face was, uh, Ned. Ned, thank you, was doing the portals. Uh, I thought just for a second, like they would introduce Miles Morales. Like they're going to be like, oh, let's do a third one. Let's just find out. He's going to be like, yeah, I, I was from the game. What's going on? Like I'm from another dimension. I'm even in the Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Uh, and but of course they didn't do that. But Electro alluded something maybe a little bit. He's like, I thought you'd be poor. I thought you'd be, you know, not a white guy. You know, well, he said something like, like, uh, I, I can't exactly how he said it, but like it was, it basically alluded to Miles Morales. Right. He was like, you know, oh man, I wonder if there's a black Spider-Man out there somewhere. Exactly. Like that. And then the even my my audience uh, laughed and clapped at that too because they knew precisely who sure. he was referring to. Yeah, I thought the Easter egg would be something of that sort too. I I'm I was expecting it. It didn't happen. Like oh, yeah. whatever. Um, I have to say something mm. before. Any kind of surprise happened, really. A lawyer Murdoch, when they lawyered up, 
Okay. Remember, because that you know they were they were arrested because they're they're being charged with all the crimes of like you know people dying and stuff with the with the drones from yeah. Mysterio, mm-hmm. and so they're like, we need a lawyer. Who are we gonna get? And they got oh yeah Murdoch. I mean. No one, hardly anyone in the theater was was going nuts. I didn't want to yell because I didn't want to be the no only one. No one did. Oh, there were people like whispering like, oh, that's just Oh, dude, we, once again, football oh, stand reaction man. in the theater I was in. Like, like everybody immediately, I mean, you heard all these guys go, like everybody's clapping and stuff. Everybody immediately knew who that was. Oh, we were like just yanking all each other like and I read something that he was going to be in the movie and I didn't know where like how big or how small of a role it would be but then I see him like on the big screen I'm like pulling out imaginary hair <laughs> oh man we were going just we, we, we were all losing our stuff well you weren't the only ones and I think that this is actually yet another example of why this film rocks which is this is a great success story of how he started out in the TV show and how the fans absolutely loved his performance for the oh, TV show. Good. And so Kevin Feige made it a point to make sure that he then became daredevil for the films, which right. is like, that's fantastic. Like if you have somebody who like, you know, kudos to whoever the casting director is, but like you, you find someone who is the perfect, you know, name that character, right? Then there's absolutely no reason why that particular character should have to remain in, say, a TV show. Like, like if if they're willing, they're interested, and they want to be able to fully embrace this character in all mediums, I say go for it. Well, a common villain between Spider-Man and Daredevil is Kingpin. Yeah, exactly. So it makes perfect sense to be in that same universe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was nuts. Another, that was nuts. <laughs> another thing that I think is also really worth mentioning is how when we had the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans coming in, they weren't acting or or being treated like like wallpaper, right? Like it wasn't like they came in and they got their big kind of reveal and then they just kind of hung out in the background. They were actually very intentionally intertwined with the the plot as it moved forward. Like, I, and if I don't know if you um, were, were paying attention to some of the the nuances of that, but like for instance, there's a scene where like for like like um, well, there's a number of scenes. One scene where like like um, top, uh, Toby Maguire is like stretching his back, right? And right. Andrew Garfield is trying to pop his back and stuff, right? If you recall <laughs> in Spider Man Two, he injures his back. And I, I think that's true. Right? Yeah, he he totally injures his back. So it's a callback to that particular film. And then on top of that, I was reading about how Tobey Maguire himself actually um, hurt his back, not from the Spider-Man films, I don't think, but like he he injured himself and he's had back problems and stuff. So it, it, it was like this like, you know, two birds, one stone kind of thing where like they just kind of put that in there. Another thing that they were talking about was how with Andrew Garfield's character, how... Um, in his amazing Spider-Man films, he was unable to save Gwen Stacy, who is his version of Mary Jane, right? So that has lived with him moving forward all these days. And so how amazing was it uh, when, you know, Tom Holland goes in and, and it's like, it's like that quintessential, you know, superhero moment where it's like, okay, Tom Holland's going right. to die and he's going to save yeah, his yeah, girlfriend yeah. from certain death. Right. And he is thwarted. 
And I'm like, oh, like what's what, 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 what's going on? Another now? big loss. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get uh, PTSD, Black Widow Man. visions in my head, you know. And so, um, to see Andrew Garfield all of a sudden able to, you know, as Peter Parker make the dive and save Tom Holland's girlfriend, the the performance, like the acting on his face, yeah totally uh, sold me on that where like he lands uh, it and it's not him thinking like he's like amazing or, or like he's like, you know, badass the day, or whatever. Yeah, like, he's the, he's, he's right. He's literally in that moment having closure about his failure with Gwen Stacy. I'm like, man, that is, that is such good storytelling. That is so rich. And it, everybody I think understood that who was in the theater. It doesn't matter which, you know, time or theater you were, you were uh, seeing the film at people just understood. And it was, it was done. So unsaid. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I was, that was one of the scenes where, um, you know, let me just pause there. I'll say watching movies all together. Yeah. So there, there's many movies I'm finding where it kind of falls into this cliche where I can kind of predict what's going to happen. And I mean, I'm like cool with it either way. You know, uh, I'd like to be surprised, but yeah. I mean, depending on how you know, the depiction is of whatever's going to happen, I'm still cool with it if it's what I expect. But it's even better when I think, yeah, you know, he's going to save the day in the end or whatever. And then someone else does it, but they, they so much in this movie happened that I was not expecting. And yeah. that was one of those scenes where, I'm like, yeah, cool. He's gonna save her. No, he's not. Oh my gosh, what's yeah. gonna happen? And then, um, I mean, again, I haven't seen the Andrew Garfield Spider Man. I'm gonna go back and watch it yeah. because watching Andrew Garfield and all the emotion, yeah. And I mean, I, I it's, it's worth going back and watching that movie. I'm totally interested now. Um, anyway, you were gonna, you're saying something else. I kind of railroad you. No, no, there. no. I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way. You know, I can admit that when I first found out about how they weren't going to use Tobey Maguire anymore for Spider-Man, I was bummed because I really enjoyed um, at the time seeing him go through the role of Spider-Man. And for them, I, I and this was you have to remember this was back when like reboots were like the cat's meow, right? Like essentially right around that time, it was like trending for all these movie studios to just reboot their franchises and IPs in order to like, I don't know, put like a fresh injection of interest. <laughs> Be relevant. Those. Yeah. Yeah. So what they ended up doing was they said, okay, we're going to reboot Spider-Man, which everybody was like, why? Like everybody enjoys what's going on with the current cast and the current story, the current direction. And so they made Amazing Spider-Man and I ended up um, not going to those films because I didn't want it to taint like what I had bonded with, with regards to the original films. So I'm exactly with you in the sense that after seeing this film, I suddenly realized, wow, I've missed out. Right. Like I need to go back yesterday and take a look at the Andrew Garfield, amazing Spider-Man's because I really liked him as Peter Parker as well. And, and even, even the villains that he had to battle against, I found to be really fascinating. Um, so there is quite a bit of, of, of that type of reaction that I have. Um, and actually, even as I'm talking about this, there's another scene where Tobey Maguire is talking about, or he's talking to Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker about him being Spider-Man. And there was a moment where he says, you were amazing. Like you really were amazing. 
again, that's a double entendre because the films that, that Andrew Garfield right. was in was called The Amazing Spider-Man. And he, he, I don't know, I feel like he, it was this very like under the table, like, you know, just like pat on the back. Like, man, you know, you, you were good. Like you were yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah. I'm, I hope you, I hope you know that. I hope you understand that, which is cool because they're both in character. It's part of the script, but at the same time, it also applies to the fact that I do think the actor, Andrew probably felt a lot of pressure and maybe felt like he didn't live up to expectations because there was that pressure. There was that reaction from fans like myself were like, you know, we weren't very thrilled with the idea of changing all the cast and whatnot. And so he got kind of an unfair shake, which is interesting because I like him as an actor, right. you know, like, like uh, the social network is, a, like, is like one of my favorite movies that he's in. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'm really glad that, that you said that. Yeah. And I liked how, um, all the Spider-Mans were like best friends instantly. Yes. You know, like they, they each shared like commonalities or common characteristics between the three of them, even though they were three different people, they all had the same interests. They all kind of had the same humor. They all yeah. had the same positive lookout on, on being a hero. And well, they all had the same desire to want just to help. Right. I think that that was the coolest thing was like you had these little nuanced differences because they are different people from their own you know, universe basically. Right. And to see them all working together and, and having the same core value fundamentals, I think, yeah, it was really cool to see right. and how they acted in support of each other as well, because they, they each shared moments of their own particular weaknesses, right? which I think we could actually dovetail into um, the moment where Tom Holland is fighting green goblin and how, Green Goblin is just messing with his head, right? right? Like, I mean, he's he's just really enjoying watching Tom Holland, uh, Peter Parker lose control. And it was so cool to see Tobey Maguire step in just like he did in Spider-Man 2 uh, with Dr. Octopus and whatnot. But like, you know, like if you recall in Spider-Man 2, uh, there was like this piece of like rubble or debris that was about to, to collapse on the Mary Jane. And, and he comes at the last minute and he's like totally jacked up and whatnot, but he's uh, not jacked up like buff, but like jacked up, like, <laughs> right. like he's got cuts and bruises sure, and yeah. blemishes and stuff like that. But he's holding this thing off of Mary Jane with every ounce of his, uh, you know, fiber Strength, of his being, yeah. you know? Um, and I feel like that was almost kind of like a, a parallel with him stopping P uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker from killing green goblin. Did you, did you really like that scene too? Man, again, that was another one of those opportunities where there wasn't a lot said. It was more, you know, acting through the face. That, that was true. Um, and I did see that. And again, with, with Tom Holland's uh, just expression, I mean, he, he, he says to all of them, I'm going to rip them apart. Yeah. I really am. And even when Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man says, I've been there, it doesn't help. You know, it kind of gives that speech that, that, yeah, I mean, Batman, you know, yeah. different, you know, DC, of course, has that same thing. It's kind of a, a common hero speech. You can't just kill somebody. The pain's not going to go away. Right. And Tom was like laying waste. Yeah. I mean, he, the, there was a darkness there that I think was was pretty evident. But I kind of liked it, though. I mean, like, <laughs> it's just sort of, I mean, like, you, you definitely want to see the good guy. You know, evil is evil. Right. Quoting Geralt from, you know, The Witcher. Mm. Evil is evil. Mm -hmm. Lesser. More so, I don't know what he says. Meddling, something like that. Anyway, um, evil is evil, and so like you know, he is going to kill because he's a killer. He's insane. He's a psycho. 
And right. so, I mean, had to have Spider-Man just beat the crap out of him. He was, was like, wailing on him. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you want to see the hero beat the, the, you know. I'm reminded of Captain America and the Winter Soldier Disney Plus show where there is that particular moment of the other Captain America, the, the kind of the, the villain the, and there, there's this moment where you realize like at first it's like, he's dealing out justice, right. And, and justice is being served. But then there comes a moment where he crosses that line and it's no longer about justice. It's about vigilantism and revenge. And you see him like lift up like cap shield, for instance, and take that guy out. And that was wrong. Like that was like, at that point, that person became a prisoner of war. Sure. Right. And I think that that was exemplified in this instance again, too, where it's like there's, it wasn't like a light switch, but it was definitely like you, if you could just kind of picture like a, uh, not not like a timeline, but like a, like just like a reader, like a gauge. You could see it like slowly going the other way, and you're just like, oh yeah. And and it wasn't really until he picked up Green Goblin's little uh, I forget whether it's like a flying board or something. Uh, yeah, this is a little ship that he he rides on. I can't remember. <laughs> hoverboard, hoverboard. Yeah, <laughs> that's when I'm like, nope, you're going too far. You're going way right. too far. You need to stop. But again, I loved how that served as like an opportunity for. Um, Toby Maguire's Spider-Man to, to pop in. And so you, you just kind of saw that over and over again. And again, it wasn't just toward Tom Holland's Peter Parker. All of the Peter Parkers had these moments of uncertainty that, you know, offered up an opportunity for like these other Peters to come forward and, and, you know, be a shoulder for them or right. be a sounding board for them, you know, yeah. offer that support. Let me ask you this, Russ. I love it when you ask me questions, Steve. When, uh, when let's let's consider the the villains and mm-hmm. May, sure. And so something. Tell me if I missed this because I feel like I did. So she is dying, and she's basically telling Peter. There's there's a sequence between her speaking with uh, the the Green Goblin mm-hmm. and them inviting everybody over to Happy's condo, right? And trying to figure out how they're gonna take away their villain handicaps, I guess. And, um, and so she's basically saying everybody needs a second chance mm-hmm. and you need to be, you know, with great power, power becomes uh, great responsibility. And then she's dying because of, you know, Peter and him wanting to do good and them kind of being, well, it wasn't because of Peter. I mean, she was really instrumental also. And in she was instrumental going I mean, along with it. Well, I mean, Peter was the start of the entire thing. I mean, yeah. if he would just push the button and yeah. the early start of this, you know, anyway, so she's dying and she's basically like taking that message to the grave of like, everybody deserves a second chance. Yeah. And I don't think I really bought into it. I mean, I think it's one thing to say that. And then it's another thing to go, well, what does, what cost does that come with? Because, you know, um, you've robbed these people of their other universe that they lived in. People near and dear to him have died now. He, he he lost his aunt. He almost lost his girlfriend. He's now doesn't have an identity. Everyone's forgotten who he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, what kind of cost did, let's just give these bad folks a second chance. I mean, it happened basically with Doc Ock, who... 
save the day, I guess. I mean, that, that was, was cool too. Freaking awesome. I did. I, I was didn't like, expect that. Yeah. I was, oh, I came out of nowhere. Uh-huh. And I, oh my gosh, I love how that, mm, just the sequence between him and, and Tobey Maguire. Just, yeah. Oh my, that was the cat's meow. Probably one of my favorite parts of the movie. I'm going to go to the end. I digress. Anyway. So did you, did I miss something there or am I, did I miss some, some other message that was like controversial to that or? Well, I think Aunt May, of course, is, you know, her job and her passion in life was to be a good Samaritan. Right. She was, um, she had her little setup where she was helping out the homeless and right. people who just need a helping hand. Right. So she was of that mindset already. And I think the film also explored the idea of consequence in, in many different ways. And I think that that was one of the, the, um, the fallouts of a particular consequence was you have Peter Parker who he, he really believes in mankind. He really, he, he believes in wanting to just see the good in people, even if they are in fact villains. And uh, you know, that's kind of one of the almost um, double, edge swords where it's like, it's, that's a very uh, wonderful thing for someone to, to view people as, but I think it also invites uh, potential conflict and um, loss as a result of that. And so I think when it comes to what he was doing, I mean, we, we haven't even talked about with uh, Dr. Strange and, and Peter Parker, but I do think that's where kind of that, that being a naive high schooler, comes into play a bit where like you, you, you want to try and do the right thing. You hear so-and-so if they go back to their particular universe at this point in time, they're going to die. And you, and you just want everybody to be like, live happy lives, sure. that sort of thing. And unfortunately the reality is, is that there just are bad people in the world. And that's a very harsh reality for Peter Parker to swallow. But at the same time, that's what makes him so endearing, right? Is if you read the comic books or if uh, you know, you watch the films you will see that he has so many different opportunities once again to like, if he wanted to actually kill one of the villains that is, is obviously trying to harm him or kill him. That's where he holds the line because that's what heroes do. Right. It's like they, they want, I mean, Batman from DC does the exact same thing where like he has had so many different opportunities to actually end the lives of these different rogues, but he chooses not to because he wants to believe that they can eventually come to their senses and receive the treatment and help that they need and then be able to turn over a new leaf. And in some cases, there are stories that are told where that kind of happens temporarily with some right. of these, you know, it's very interesting if you stop to like look and examine the characters like in Spider-Man or in Batman, where you have, these certain like, like parallels that these, these characters have, but then the hero decides to go this way uh, as opposed to the villains who decide that they they're going to take this fork in the road and go the opposite way. Even though there are certain things that um, would arguably show justification for doing either or, but there is definitely a right and a wrong when it comes to these kind of stories. I don't know if I'm answering the yeah. question that, that, that you're looking for well, or not. But. I think, well, I guess indirectly you are because I, I thought I had missed something, but I don't think I, I did because I'm picking up what you're saying. But um, I guess what I, how I was looking at it was, you know, 
Spider-Man, our Spider-Man in today's age, uh, has been through a lot with the Avengers. He's, sure. You know, he's fought aliens. He's fought, you know, Thanos. He, I mean, so he is not just some naive high schooler anymore. He is very mature. Uh, he knows that it ain't just us living on this planet. There are powers greater than him. Sure. You know, beyond, um, beyond Earth. And, and, to, and, and to have him basically not even bring Dr. Strange or have some sort of like intellectual conversation with all parties involved and just go, well, let's just hope for the best. And um, let's just like, you know, naively go with this and see what happens to me. Didn't seem like the, the past journey ever took place. Like, did he learn anything from turning to dust? Did he learn anything from losing Tony Stark? Did he learn anything from Thanos wiping out half the planet? Like there is evil in the world that will just be evil because to quote, um, Oh, what's his face? Uh, Batman's Butler. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Freaking a, that would be Alfred. Alfred. Gosh, some people just want to watch the world burn, mm-hmm. which is true. I think in, ter- I know what you're saying. I think so. There's, there's also a spectrum of that as well. Where, yes, like on, on one end of the spectrum, you have someone like Thanos, who you're just like, whoa, this, 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 this is the mad titan, everything else. But then you have these other villains that are kind of uh, existing on different parts of the, of the spectrum that are, are not to that level. So on the one hand, he has, and, and the film actually does identify that to a certain extent, where like there are conversations between Doctor Strange and Peter Parker, where Doctor Strange is saying, you know, you've had experience as an Avenger with the Avengers on these cataclysmic type of adventures. And that has definitely made him much more experienced in terms of how to fight, how to survive, how to read a situation. But I also think too, once again, Peter Parker is a kid. I mean, every, every time like that, that is what's one of the, the unique aspects of his character archetype is that he is the young one. And especially given this new type of scenario where due to his desire to want everybody to forget that he exists and try and help his, his girlfriend and best friend out in terms of college, that sort of thing. Again, that's just the, that, that is the, the mindset of a high schooler, right? Is like, they, they really can only see, you know, like, like the big thing that they all think about when they're that age is college. A college is like the big life altering thing. Right. And especially you know, with him having experience, having the relationship with Dr. Strange to the point where he knows he can go to him and find out if he can cause a spell or whatever. He's at a very high level understanding of of different things. And I would say he's, he's at a high level of experience, right? So when you have this new kind of, of situation with the multiverse coming in, the multiverse was not in existence in turn. Well, not, not that that's the wrong way of saying it. No one from the the MCU storyline up until this point really knew about a multiverse, right? Like their whole thing was stopping Thanos right. and, and trying to, to get the stones and everything else. So like, um, I think that's where I don't have a problem with it is that especially when you think about these, these villains that Tom Holland, remember Tom Holland's Peter Parker has never come in contact with Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, Sandman, Electro, Lizardman. I mean, like if you think now he, I know he has come in contact and fought with Mysterio. Right. Right. And then who was the villain from um, the first 
Oh, uh, it was Vulture. Yeah. So, so those villains he knows. And I think also what throws a curveball into this whole thing is that even the villains don't know who he is. You know, right. it's not like they see him, they go, ah, Peter Parker. You know, and I think that that was one <laughs> of the, the, the refreshing aspects of this particular film is that not only did the hero not know who these characters were, but the villains didn't know who the hero was. They like, it wasn't like they went to fisticuffs instantaneously. You know, they, they, they look at it and they get up close and they're just like, you're not Peter. Who are you? You know? And, and so that like, I thought that was also really cool too, how the villains were just as confused and like, I mean, again, of most villains need some kind of twisted motivation to cause violence and right. attack and that sort of thing. And I loved how they showed that in this film. We're like, I mean, there was a, a significant amount of the movie where they were just kind of trying to figure out what the heck is going on too. And then the, you know, the green goblin being who he is uh, really started to, to manipulate the situation and, and convince them to um, kind of resume where they left off in this new uh, reality. Well, true. I mean, the Green Goblin, he's just in insane. Yeah. I mean, he can't get the voice out of his head. Right. He's got he's to go. But like Electro just wanted power and that was like his aphrodisiac of sorts. He's like, I just want to destroy stuff. I love feeling this way. I ain't going to change. Well, what's and interesting too about that is that he, you know, if you recall, he's, he mentioned in the film how being in Tom Holland's reality um somehow it gave him more power. Like, like he was feeling more of it as opposed to his home world or, right. so, or his home universe. Universe. Um, then you had the lizard man who's also, you know, crazy. He wants to change yeah. everybody into the lizards. lizards. Yeah. He's just <laughs> off his rocker. I like his voice by the way. Yeah. And then you had Sandman. I'm trying to remember he's from Spider-Man three. Yes. And I'm trying to remember what I know he was poor and he was trying to provide for his family. Yeah. And he kind of mistakenly became Sandman. He wasn't, it wasn't intentional. Right. Um, he like, he fell into something. I can't remember what it was, but like it, it messed with his molecular structure. Yeah, or something. exactly. And he just doesn't want to be a monster, but because everybody reacts violently to him, he's kind of like the Hulk in that sense where he just rages up and like tries to, you know, have tanks and guns and stuff stop shooting at him and he ends up hurting a bunch of people, but he just doesn't want to be a monster. And yeah, so he, like, he's a bit of a, like a neutral character. Yeah. And, but he's, he's obviously not trusting. Yeah. And so that would have been an easy fix. Be like, look, I can put you back together. I can, I can, there's a, there's a fix for you. And he would have been like, great. Thanks. Send me home. Well, that's all. Okay. I'm out. Sign me up. Mm -hmm. And, and I thought that was a little bit loose too, because he didn't have a reason to team up with Electro and Green Goblin and, Doc, you know, he just, he didn't have any of that motivation to, to do that. And he wasn't angry at anybody. He literally just wanted to go back home and see his daughter. Well, and I think, I think what, what you're talking about is part of, of what makes the Spider-Man villains so interesting and rich is that not every villain is to attend in terms of being diabolical, for instance, right? And I think that speaks very highly to the way that, that these characters have been created and designed is that um, you have different kind of motivations for different characters. And I think in terms of what you're talking about, you know, the Green Goblin was able to convince Electro, for instance, to not get fixed, right? right. And, and the whole getting fixed thing is actually somewhat of a controversial theme not only in the movie, but just if you think about like, you know, you know, oh, well, you, you need to get fixed. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't really have a lot of deep thoughts on that, but it was something that I, I did 
make note of, I guess. Uh, I guess that's the best way I can say it because it was kind of interesting how they were talking about that and how there were certain things that, that they came up with, like, you know, changing lizard man back to being human or, um, you know, the green goblin, I think was like trying to suppress his, his alter ego, you know, his right. split personality. So that, so yeah, that, there was quite a bit there, but I, I do think in terms of Sandman, for instance, I think he could see the, the writing on the wall that especially when they blew up, that fabricator or whatever it was that was instrumental in like healing or fixing all the villains and stuff. He's like, well, there's nothing for me here now. They can't do anything. And this is unraveling. This is not going to, you know, I, I think he's an opportunist in that, re- in that regard. Hmm. But he didn't have any reason to hurt Spider-Man though. Like he's not like, I mean, cause he showed up there at the end and he grabs one of the spider, you know, one of them, <laughs> one, of them. one or two or three, he's like squeezing the life out of him. Like he's going to kill him. Like, why are you going to kill him? You have literally no reason to, you know, he didn't cause you th- this, this life for you. Um, even in Spider-Man three, I, well, I don't, I forgot what happened in Spider-Man three. Maybe one of them did, but, um, anyhow, so there's two other Spider-Mans that didn't and, and he is still on the side of the, anyway, I don't know. I just thought that maybe he deserved a bit more screen time so that we would better understand him and his motives for just not going, sign me up. I, just, I don't want to be a villain. I don't want to hurt anybody. Anyway, I don't have to dwell on it, but that was just something that kind of registered with me. Hmm, interesting. Did you have any other? Well, okay. So <laughs> I do want to talk about like one of the big things <laughs> I was going to say, um, it just kind of popped in there. Um, I want to talk about the combat scene between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange because I thought that was really interesting. You know, you have, um, you know, Peter Parker who he's a good kid, but he makes sometimes these rash decisions or bad decisions. And Doctor Strange is someone who is older, arguably wiser, has you know, much better understanding of like the intricacies of how the multiverse works. And, and even though he even said, you know, we know frighteningly little about the multiverse, but he knows enough where he's like, you know, you cannot mess with this stuff, but it was really fun to watch them battle and see like how they were able to, to, um, outmaneuver each other and, and kind of see like, like, you know, how does Dr. Strange, try and keep the kitty gloves on because he doesn't want to kill you know Spider-Man. He doesn't want to like maim him or anything, but he, he needs that box back and everything else. So I thought that was really fun and interesting to see that play out. And I also really thought the, the dialogue was, was juicy in its own way. You know, like, like I, I, I enjoyed how Dr. Strange definitely had a limit to his patience and how Peter Parker, he became pretty brazen where he just got this one track mind of this is how we're going to you know solve this problem instead of actually remaining respectful and allowing Dr. Strange to do his thing. And really, I mean, that's part of the storytelling in this film is that there was a price to pay. That was the consequence for uh, Tom Holland's Peter Parker right. to, to decide that he was going to take matters into his own hands. I mean, when he locked Dr. Strange, like took his ring, I was like, dude, not cool. <laughs> that is not cool. And you're going to pay for that. Yeah. I, uh, I, towards the end when everyone forgot who Spider-Man was, I thought, man, I don't know. I mean, that, that's kind of like, 
you're signing your contract away with the Avengers because how is anyone supposed to trust you if you can't work together? I mean, and since, like, like you said, he took matters in his own hands. He created the problem for himself. Right. Brought Doctor Strange into it and made it worse. Right. I mean, there's a scene where he says, you made... I did a spell like worldwide <laughs> and you couldn't make a phone call to the university. Are you serious? But again, that, that like, that's a great example of what I was talking about just a little while ago about how when you're a high school student and you're looking into like making that transition into college, that's literally like, like your line of thinking. And, and right. Dr. Strange was totally the parent uh, when he said that line, he was like, you mean to tell me that instead of trying that out before you came to me and everything, I mean, again, I love the relationship between the two. But that spell that he was going to make in the beginning, when, when Spider-Man goes up to him and says, hey, make a spell so that everyone forgets who I am. Yeah. The way Doctor Strange was like doing the whole spell was the spell that happened at the end. And so to me, the way I understood it was had Peter Parker, our Peter Parker, not which one's ours as far as <laughs> I'm concerned all three of them all are ours um, had he not interfered with the spell everybody would have forgotten who he was at the very beginning of the movie including Doctor Strange and all the Avengers I don't understand what you're so at the so at the end of the movie yeah when, when Doctor Strange is trying to like repair the rips in you know t- the time space continuum or whatever um, he, he was saying, how can we fix this? And he says, if you did the original spell and I didn't interfere and everybody forgot who I was, right. would that fix it? And he says, yes. And unless I forgot something when he originally, when Peter Parker went to Dr. Strange's little office, they're, um, covered in snow. Yes. And he says, let's do this spell and have, can we just have everybody forget me? He was not saying Everybody but the Avengers and everybody that that came later. Oh, Mary Jane. Oh, Ned. Oh, uh, somebody happy or somebody else. He was adding those people in, but Doctor Strange was going to make everybody, including the Avengers, forget Spider Man from the very beginning. So, if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, so the first time that Doctor Strange was doing the spell, Peter Parker was obviously interfering. He right. he kept running his mouth when he stood, should have just kept his mouth shut. Right. So that was interfering with Doctor Strange's ability to be able to focus right. on the spell, which he did for the first time. He never, well, maybe he did it. No, he's, he did the spell before, but it's, it's not an easy spell. The second time that he did it, Peter Parker didn't say a word and just let him do his thing. Right. So he was able to, to do the original spell itself of having everybody forget as opposed to making all these little addendums. But the thing is, my thing is, is that... Um, the cost to Spider-Man at the end was everybody forgot who he was, including yeah. the people who he loved most. Right. Um, but that also means like he's not an Avenger anymore because the Avengers don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe they would know who Spider-Man is, but they wouldn't really know who Peter Parker is. I mean, Happy didn't know who he was at the end. And right. so no one knows. No one knows. So I don't know. I mean, that's I don't, to me that that kind of didn't connect the dots because 
Doctor Strange would have known. He would have foreseen that going, are you sure you want us all to forget who you are? Do you know what we've been through together kind of thing? Oh, I think I think that he definitely had those thoughts going through his mind. But I also think, too, that he was he was seeing the sky break open with purple glowing. No, characters I'm talking about like through. midway through the movie before, like just just him casting the spell in the beginning. He wouldn't he would have foreseen all this stuff kind of happening and not taken that one request of Peter just going, hey, I got a favor. Can you make everybody? Free? He would have said. He would, he would have made a much bigger deal out of it. Let's put it that way. I still don't quite, I'm not hundred percent understanding what you're saying, but I, I think the, the best way I can, I can just add to it would be given the dire circumstances of what was going on at, at the point in time, at the end of the movie, Dr. Strange was doing everything he could to try and stop these rifts from opening right. up and having everyone who knows every Peter Parker from every multiverse come through. So he was, he was worried. I mean, he, right. he was not able to actually stop those riffs. And when Peter Parker suggested, Hey, can you redo the same spell, but just have everybody forget. I think then he realized, yes, I can do that without the addendums and, and have it work. And then moving forward from there, that's part of the great storytelling because now it leaves us with this gigantic uh, cliffhanger where it's like, okay, what does Spider-Man do now that he is truly on his own, right? I mean, he's got his own little apartment. He's going to get his own little job. Um, there, There's just a, a metric ton that we're going to be able to enjoy going through this whole thing with him. And I, again, that that's the magic of movie making, right? It's like you, you want to have those types of situations still be in play, because that's what brings us back to the theater. We're like, what happens next? You know? So I, I, I was totally fine with how all that came to be. What are your uh, concluding thoughts and rating of the film, Steve? Well, um, I think, like I said in the beginning, I think this is, this is uh, my favorite Spider-Man of this trilogy. Uh, I don't I have no idea where Disney's going to go with the next. It's almost like, he can't be a part of it. He, like Sony can continue making Spider-Mans, but it's almost like he can't be in with the Avengers or can't show up in those movies anymore because, or not for at least a long amount of time because they're going to start over this reacquainting process. I did read something about how oh, yeah. um, they have approved another trilogy with Mr. Tom Holland as Spider-Man. Well, that's incredible. Ross. Mm. Some well, no, might yeah, say I, it's... I mean, Amazing. <laughs> they, I'm sure they were going to continue making Spider-Man's. But I'm, what I'm saying is like, you know, he used to come in um, like in the Iron Man movies, for example, like, you know, Captain America Civil War, for example, there was Spider-Man in that movie. Uh, he was an Avenger, uh, like the, the final Avengers movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but everybody knows him as Peter Parker and Spider-Man and now they don't. So it's almost like he's not going to appear with all of them for never quite, quite some time. You never know. I don't know. I just add this true. Where there's a will, there's a way, Steve. Well, there's money to be made. Decisions can also be made. I think uh, in Kevin Feige, we trust. Right. Hopefully. Oof. Continue, please. Anyhow, um, so I thought um, everybody had a great amount of screen time, an appropriate amount of screen time, except for Sandman, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um I thought the movie was written very well, um, with the exception of that that's just the you know, we were discussing earlier with Peter Parker, the villains, kind of, you know, the decision with the spell and everything. I think it was a little bit too loosey-goosey, but that was just, you know, a minor criticism. Um, 
I, I, I can't, I keep coming back to, uh, the expression and the acting ability on Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. And, um, of course, Tom Holland, it, they did an exceptional acting job with, with all the emotions. And there are many sequences in the movie, um, that I, I have a hard time thinking, okay, well, this was my favorite scene. No, this was my favorite scene. Yeah. No, this was my favorite scene. Yeah. And so I applaud them for that and applaud them for just surprising me constantly of we're not going to be cliche. Yes, this will be the easy path. We're going to take the hard path and I think they're going to reap the rewards. And I'm glad I saw it in the theater. Um, by the way, we had 30 minutes of previews. Yes. My goodness. That is my wife timed it 30 minutes. Way too many. But there's a lot of good previews coming out. I'm just, they weren't all bad, Ross. I'm just going to say. But anyhow, so I would rate it, um, I'm going to say 4.5. 4.5 from Stevenvich. Well, this film is definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. I think that there is a lot of different components that ultimately make this a special experience, to be frank. I, I really liked all the different decisions that they made throughout this movie. I think that that there are a number of different places where it could have failed, but it didn't. And it's kind of to what you mentioned at the beginning of the show, which is that it was almost like they were straddling the edge of a knife and they were very successful. I think this is going to pay off huge for them. I think that this really does provide massive buy-in for the whole concept of the multiverse. And if I'm a writer, like if I'm like an MCU writer, I'm chomping at the bit because there are so many different possibilities that you can leverage with something like this. But I, I will caution uh, all those folks at the MCU and just say, you know, I want you to have fun with going down this path, but please don't abuse it. Like use it in a way that's smart and allow other kinds of, of uh, different storytelling opportunities complement, come in as companion pieces, if you will, to the idea of the multiverse. Cause I just don't want to get so out of hand that it becomes right. hard to track. And, and I, I definitely don't want uh, some kind of cheapened participation trophy antics going on, you know, have as long as it makes sense. I'll just say it that way. Then that's by all means go, go 110% on that thing. This film though, there, there are so many different things that, that I could just gush about, but I, I just, I love at the end of the day, I absolutely love seeing the three Spider-Mans make their big appearance. I love seeing these, these celebrated villains that we've all watched throughout the, the previous Spider-Mans. And I think the main thing about it is I love how they were honored. Yeah. You know, if, if you think about it, it wasn't like it was just kind of thrown in there for five minutes and then they're gone or whatever. Like, like, no, like they really wanted to make a conscious effort to honor these characters who acted as these pillars along the way of the overall kind of comic book movie timeline that we've all been reaping the rewards of over the last 20 plus years. And so I think that that's a very special thing. And the, like what you said, the, the performances of the actors, the emotionality that we got to see was also extremely like, my goodness, like it, it 
drew you in in a way that it just felt authentic. You right. know, you felt like you were like what you said, like, like you were friends with these Peter Parkers that like, you've known them for such a long time. So anyway, I, I can't say enough of this. I think that, that if you haven't seen the movie yet, you definitely need to go check it out. It is a fantastic film. Five stars for me. I knew it. Mm-hmm. I knew it, Russ. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. We thank you for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continue financially helping us doing this show. Also, make sure you push that subscribe button, maybe clang on that notification bell. That way you won't miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week every week. We're also on just about every social media platform. Just do a search for at Joygasm TV. Last but not least, do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We both will wish you a very Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.